Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Vindaloo Vern, too hot for rivals in Hyderabad. Big cats maul each other in hairpin pickle. Class Cassidy curries favour at Envision. And Korma the police as mad motorsport menagerie mixes with motorist mayhem in massive marshalling mix-up. Hello, welcome to the Formula E podcast brought to you by The Race. We are here to discuss everything that went on in the Hyderabad E Prix last weekend. I'm joined by Andrew van der Berg and Sam Smith, the race's man in the paddock. And I think it was overall, Andrew, a very entertaining E Prix. Best of Gen 3, I think is not an uncontroversial opinion to have. Um, and because, you know, it's my personal hobby horse, back on the telly. <laughs> wasn't there. Having it on a laptop balanced on my on my knees and, you know, wondering whether I'd actually tuned in at the right time or not. On the telly, like a world championship could be. And rewarded with a proper race. And I hope, you know, any casual people who were flicking through, because they're obviously not allowed to go past Channel 4 in case they, you know, <laughs> see, see something that they don't like, um, uh, really enjoyed it. And they pick up a load of uh, new fans as a result, because it deserves that. Well, that's the hope. That's the hope. It was entertaining, Sam. Yeah, it was. It was a good race. Great race in, in challenging conditions, I think. Um, lots of people deserve pats on the back for getting the thing ready in time. I think on sort of Wednesday, Thursday of, of that week, it was uh, looking marginal, but it always seems to get done, doesn't it? I mean, or there's always a way of it um, getting ready. So, yeah, I think, it, I think that, you know, we'll come on to it, I'm sure, later. There, there were issues, of course, some of them bigger than others, but I think generally it uh, provided a good race and... Um, uh, I mean, off the track, it was uh, interesting. Lots of different chaotic uh, challenges met, I think. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good basis for India embracing Formula E for the future. And and when you know they they had Sachin Tendulkar there, didn't they? Who's got you know six hundred thirty eight billion followers on social media, so that's going to be a big help. And the fact as well that they've got this this um, deal with Tata Communications for next year. So it's all yeah, it's all good stuff from that point of view. Yeah, uh, good track as well, I thought, to be honest. As you say, we'll get onto that a, a little bit later. But the big news, really, the win for Jean-Eric Verne and a, a turnaround from DS after things were looking very, very miserable for them after the first few races. Well, again, w w we discussed it on the pod last time, but it was weird to not be able to work out what was happening because they were quick in practices, but then come qualifying, nothing. And then... Even this weekend, you had Verne qualifying at the front of the grid and Stoffel van Dorn, I think, started started 17th. So I don't think, having spoken to Verne after the race, I don't, I, he, he doesn't seem, Sam, confident that it's like, right, now he's a front runner. That, didn't, that wasn't sort of the vibe, was it? It was still, there's a lot of work to do here. 
Yeah, very much so. I think I think they realise they they're in the ballpark, but they're in that. You know, if you're going to sort of strataize the the field at the moment, they're probably on the on the tail of, of just close to Jaguar and um, and the Envision guys. Um, you know, Porsche still do have an advantage, but events conspired against them this weekend, whereas they sort of conspired against DS in the previous rounds. The the car itself, vehicle dynamically, the DS E Tense Twenty Three is a very um it's a very fine balance on that car so it's quite hard to find the optimum balance on the car and it actually suits um it suits smoother tracks and hyderabad for all its detritus on the track was actually the asphalt was actually quite grippy and by the end of the race it was it was pretty good the grip was was decent on bumpy tracks, there seems to be an issue. So that you know, they'll be working hard on the on the seven post rig and and what have you, and all their tools they have back at Sattery uh, to try and sort that out. But certainly, on the bumpier tracks, it is a more difficult proposition to to get into that sweet spot for particularly for for qualifying. But it worked for them in in Hyderabad, and and Jev got the deal done. But uh, the, you know, there were elements of luck uh, involved in that too. It reminded me a bit of that Sam Bird win in uh, Buenos Aires when <laughs> season two yeah despite not having the fastest car he did everything at, that he could with absolutely within the rules to make sure that he won that race and, and took advantage of some of the faster cars being out, out of position and I think that's a little bit of what we saw here it's not suddenly they are you know right up there with the front runners in terms of pace but when you've got someone like Jev among your driving lineup he will take those wins when the opportunity arises and that's exactly what he did I mean I still quite not quite sure how he made it across the line um, uh, (laughs) with, with enough energy left but he did and it was you know brilliant to watch the team had said to him you know don't fight Cassidy because obviously he's got way more energy and you can't whatever and uh, Vern said to me, well, yeah, but if I'm in the lead, I'm going to fight. You know, if I've got something to fight for, you know me, I'm going to get my elbows out. And it reminded me of that season four race in Punta del Este, where he was holding off Lucas Degrassi for the for the entire yes. Ypres. If anyone wants to comment on that, but fine, if not. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said it all there, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But his, his driving, Sam, was good. You spoke a lot about the car and the this and the that, but Vern's driving was good. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really good. You know, a, a champion's drive, wasn't it? You know, he he didn't have to defend that hard as well. If you look at the the last few laps, the configuration of that track was something that that fell into his lap a little bit because uh, Cassidy. Don't forget, Cassidy needed a result as well. You know, he's had a fairly conservative start to the season, got some points, but hasn't been at the sharp end, and he wanted to get a, a podium uh, for sure. So, some of those events. What so are, are we are we saying? Are we saying Cass? could have been a bit more aggressive potentially were it different circumstances yeah i think so but some of the events i talked about before were you know played out in jeff's favor the safety car helped him a little bit there was an erroneous message on the um on the fia screens that said that Vern had a black flag and that was passed over to cassidy via his engineer robert sattler and he and he sort of backed off a little bit uh, and didn't you know didn't look to make a move so all those little things plus just the inherent difficulty in overtaking really really helped Jev win that win that EP. if that had been Berlin or Diria Cassidy would have won it by two or three seconds um, that's that's pretty clear but it but it wasn't so you know Jev did what he needed to do to to win the race and, and fair play to him uh, we'll get on to this a little later, but Pascal Verlein leads the championship on 80 points. He's 18 points clear now of uh, Jake Dennis in second on 62 points. And then third is Verne on 31 
points. So he's up to third in the championship with that win, level on points with Sebastian Buemi, but 50 points, well, 49 points off Pascal Verlein in the, in the lead of the championship. We're a quarter of the way through the season now. V2B, is, is Vern in the title fight now? Is that, is that how this comes or is there still no title fight currently, weirdly? Well, if, if Verlein can just carry on racking up top five finishes, it's going to be very hard to catch him up. I mean, you can't write off championships after the third race of the season, but he's going to need a few more weekends to fall into his lap like this one did um, to sustain a championship challenge. But look, I mean, that's the great thing about Formula E is that even when you there appears to be the most dominant um, package out there. They seldom win all the races. There's always some something that comes in, trips people up, the, the format of the weekend, if nothing else, and, and you end up with a you know random and wide variety of winners. So I'm not calling the championship just yet, but if, you're, if I had to put anybody's money on it, I'm not putting anyone else other than Verline at the moment. That's the seventh race in a row that there has been a different pole sitter so seven different pole sitters in a row and never has that pole sitter won the race. Well, there you like, go. <laughs> it's, it's just mad, isn't it? It's just mad. Um, Pascal Verlein, we'll, we'll, we'll cover him off because he, for me, I think things fell into his lap a little bit at the weekend. I know you say things fell well for Vern, but Verlein was nowhere in the fight until all of the all of the dramas and even in the middle of the race he had more energy than people behind but he wasn't really able to make progress same is true of Dennis so I think just overall while we're discussing that sort of championship fight it was it was a weaker weekend for 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 Porsche would you would you say Sam in that it was a weekend that suggested they could be caught or they're not infallible let's say well don't forget they missed an entire session one of the two key sessions in free practice one after Verline shunt, so yeah. they were on the back foot to some extent. Yes, they were good on energy, and then, but again, just the inherent nature of the track was so difficult to overtake. Apart from turn three, the hairpin, there was very few opportunity to make a move. I think Dennis Dennis could have challenged Vern significantly at the end of that race if it hadn't been for Ras drop kicking him out at the at the hairpin. So yeah, but he was only there because of everyone else getting wiped out also. Well, yeah, so was Cassidy, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that Dennis would have made a move on uh, on Vern, but in in a sense, you know, you could look at it as, well, Dennis would have had more to lose from a championship perspective, but just something tells me that that Dennis, having already tasted a victory in, in Gen three, would have you know would have would have attempted something maybe a bit bolder than 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 Cassidy um, might have done. But who knows? I mean, I think from a championship perspective, Verline's drive was excellent. You know, he it was uh, it was pretty pretty stealthy. He he didn't take unnecessary risks, and he and he bagged twelve points, which you know is the kind of thing that you might look back on in uh, in July and say, well, that, you know, it was a real champion's drive for him to to. Get get a top four in those circumstances when 24 hours earlier you know he was in uh, he was in hospital getting evaluated for that shunt which I'm sure we'll come on to but I think yeah generally massive damage limitation but it went a bit beyond that I think you know 12 points under those circumstances was was excellent but yeah Porsche certainly didn't have the advantage that they had in Diria but again I think it was the nature of the track which kind of level things out a bit I'm sure at some of the some of the other freer tracks where it's easier to overtake, I think um, I think we'll see that advantage telling a bit more this season. So, yeah, I mean, Verline's certainly the, the clear favourite for the title at the minute. 
in hindsight, we probably ought not to have been so surprised because where that Porsche package is really strong is, is the ability for it to change directions and how quick it comes off the corners. You know, it ha- the ultimate top speed hasn't been where its advantage is. And the only real overtaking place on this track was as a result of having top speed. I've been watching Dennis's uh, progress quite a lot, Jack. So I sent you that message and uh, cursed him. Yeah. Oh yeah, you <laughs> did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the second he started developing a technical problem, but they were finding it really hard to overtake because that, advantage that they'd had that made it so easy in Diria didn't play out for them here you know the, the where they needed to be quick wasn't the the bit where that package is particularly good now looking at the other tracks and obviously there's a, still a couple of the ones we don't know the ones that we do I think are going to start favoring that package again so I don't think that this is uh, uh, you know a sign of them dropping off the boil okay so Verlein leads the championship Dennis second now Buemi would have been third in the standings coming into uh, coming into Cape Town because he finished on the podium but that podium taken away from him the team are frustrated um, can you explain what happened Sam yeah it's, it's quite complex but with with the help of yeah it, yeah that's why that's why I asked can you because I know you'll give it a go oh, but yeah, I, it, it, with with when there was that pause there, I thought you could ask me I was like I haven't got a clue <laughs> with with my with my capable assistant Mr. Uh, Sylvan Filippi we'll do our best here so the precise penalty um, was issued because the level of power available is progressively decreased as the um, the, the battery max cell the maximum temperature of the battery um, goes into um, uh, into a hotspot, basically. And there is a battery software implementation guide, which is given by the suppliers, which are Williams Advanced Engineering, which the teams have to adhere to. So this was a breach of an article in the regulations, whereby it's... In Gen 2, it was black and white. If you went over the 300 um, kilowatts, you were you were immediately pinged. Now, it's different in Gen 3. Why is it different? Well, obviously, the parameters of the um, of the battery are vastly different because it's a completely different unit. But when he had told me immediately after the race that he felt he had reduced power, now that sort of sparked a bit of interest in me because I thought, well, if he's got the, that isn't an advantage, right? So how can they get a sporting penalty for that? And and Sebastian went on to describe this. I went to see Sylvain Filippi. He sort of explained quite um, in detail what they believe had happened. And they went through a lengthy discussion with the stewards um, and then subsequently appealed. I spoke to Sylvain before um, that appeal was thrown out. But from the point of view of an overspike beyond the 300 kilowatts, which is allowed in the regular power usage, it doesn't appear that it actually, um, what you call practically, went above that. So it's it it is it is really complex. The protest was deemed inadmissible according to the FIA, but Filippi strongly countered it, saying that the FIA are saying that is a black and white overpower now in Gen Three, but it's a little bit more nuanced than that, as, as Sylvan explained. Well, so we're still discussing with the FIA. The FIA are saying black and white, it's overpower. But it's not. We never went over 300 kilowatts. Uh, the battery, we had a hot cell in the battery. That was that's a very abnormal behavior. And that meant that the power that the battery could deliver was way under that. The system did its best to stay around that power, which is significantly under 300. But obviously, it's a completely abnormal behavior. We've never seen that before. There's no model for it. It's like one of these new Gen 3 things that no one has ever seen, whether it's FIA, supplier, us. And, and we are not uh, very happy because uh, the penalty was as if we had gained an advantage when we gained, we had a massive disadvantage. We were, on, we were massively under 300 kilowatts 
at the end. So it's a lack of context. Uh, the stewards were given overpower, which they've seen many times in Gen 2. It meant over the power. Here it was a massive underpower, but the battery of the behavior of the battery was not predictable. So we are in process with the FIA to clarify it because it's not right. So, but Sam, they're going to protest the fact that they couldn't protest it, right? It's unclear actually at the moment. I think I think this needs to be resolved because the process of the FIA and why the, the you know the stewards make that decision. We know why they make it because if they get from the FIA technical department a notification that there is an, an overspike in the the power usage, it's black and white. You know the stewards don't look at the or plainly don't put it into any context with what we're dealing with in Gen three here. So it's then they want to get the podium sorted, which you know we've been asking for years, haven't we? Let's get the podium sorted, which they did. But it is of super harsh penalty, as I understand it. And what needs to happen now is that there needs to be an an option or an opportunity for the team to present the data and for Williams to be involved and for people to say, well, did this driver get a sporting advantage in this race because he had a, an overspike? Or if it's a technicality or a quirk of how the Gen 3 regulations are compared to the battery um, manifesto that that um, that Williams supply then you know you start getting into such technicalities and and in your TV viewers and people watching the race you know do they want to hear all that I think it's it's a really difficult well one. I hope that I hope the Formula E podcast listeners do want to hear all that because they just have well, <laughs> you know, it is it is a super technical, um, really complex situation, and it's a new one in Gen Three. So I think you can file this under several other things that are Gen Three specific that need to be resolved because this will happen again. What I don't quite understand. So in Mexico City, Dan Tickton, I'm pretty sure, had exactly the same thing. I'm pretty sure it was Mexico City, and he got a. It was on his burnout on his on his way from the dummy grid to the main grid. He said, "Okay, right." So he got that early. Now the Buem the yeah. Buemi one happened pretty late in the race. Hence, henceforth, this uh, V to B's just expired with boredom. I think on that. Honestly, I feel for the listeners. I don't know how long this is going to make it in, but it's intensely fucking dull. Sorry for this one. <laughs> Well, the thing is, the th- the thing is, it is super dull. But this will happen again, so they have to they have to have a proper procedure for sorting this out. Because ultimately, Buemi, I think in my mind, and, and obviously Envision's mind, but actually some independent people I've spoken to, when they put themselves in that position, they would feel extremely hard done by. So, you know, I think the point is that you can't enforce a rule that you cannot respect. Because Filippi said that you know they had no option. Um, sorry, Williams had no option to redress this because the battery effectively derated and caused um, caused the issue. So yeah, anyway, that's it. If you need if you need more, contact me, DM me for more uh, in depth uh, analysis into this extremely dull subject. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, Jagsageddon uh, next up. Um, we had that like horrible. It. People love that. Yeah. Sort of <laughs> <laughs> we had that uh, horrible, horrible moment where it happened in slow motion, didn't it? Sam Bird taking evasive action to avoid hitting, I think it was Fenestraus in front of him and cleaned out his teammate Mitch Evans. Both the Jags out, Gunter and um, Fenestraus caught up in it as well. And Jaggy were looking so strong, VDB. It was it was a it was a it was a it was one of those just heads in hands moments. You can't believe what you're seeing. Well, slow motion was right. I mean, it, it really did seem to be playing out at about 15 miles an hour. As it, it was, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so inevitably as well, the second that he sort of jinked to the right side, oh, we all know how this finishes here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's happened. Oh, it's happened. And you know, I think um, Sam, you ran around the. the pits and paddock and you know everyone was like oh sam's the nicest guy never would have done this on purpose and of course we all know that but you know the strongest showing they'd had all season today really there in the hunt they done i jack if you could enlighten me i don't understand their um the deployment of the attack zones it's, it seems that they'd cocked that up a little bit but you know still running strongly on track and then to see that happen um and to happen to someone as nice as sam as well i mean he, there's no absolutely no way he would have done it on purpose and obviously compromised uh, fenestras and gunter's races as well but that's that is the nature of um formula e and street circuit racing and that's what opened the gap up and allowed um people like uh, da costa and, and dennis before his issues and you know other people further down the field to to gain track position so it it is part of the swings and roundabouts of it but it was um of all the people for it to happen to it was, it was sad that it happened to sam especially after sam is sam is being such a sort of feel-good story this year after after a torrid season uh eight it's you know it's so good to see him back towards the front and i think that was part of the the, the difficultness to take as well sniffer yeah i mean yeah having to interview someone yeah, you know, half an hour after something like that's happened is especially grim uh, when it's someone like Sam. You just feel super sorry for him. I mean, you, you wouldn't expect anything less than him to hold his hands up and say, look, sorry. But having to do that to your own team and to other drivers, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's nightmarish, isn't it? It's like the worst nightmare all, all come as one, really. Um, has, has, he had a, has he got a penalty for it or anything? Uh, I've, I've not seen one, but you presume... No, you, you would have presumed he would have uh, he would have had one for that. That's a very good point, actually, Jack. You know, it, as far yeah, as I've, I know, I've literally just I've literally just thought of it. As, as far as far as I know, it was never placed under investigation, which again is a um, a big big question. Which is an odd one because that's got five place grid drop written all over it or something, isn't it? Well, I mean, logically, it should be fifteen, shouldn't it? If there's three drivers races, he's compromised. But well, yeah. that's a bit harsh. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just going back to VW's point about Jaguar's strategy in that race. It was baffling that they 
chose to put an early attack for for Mitch Evans when he was. They did it in Diria as well. There was exactly the same yeah, strategy, which wasn't is it? completely. You know, Evans's strategy throughout last season was always a late attack. Um, yeah, I think. And he was going. This one he just, was livid on the radio. He was livid on oh, the radio. Was. It was it was it was brutal. Yeah, the stuff he was saying on the radio was was brutal. But you can understand some of it. But I think what what happened there is it shuffled him back behind Fenestras, and then he had a couple of laps behind Fenestras before getting back into play. And then we all know what happened with Sam. But I just obviously what they were trying to do, I think, was they didn't want to be leading the race, and they wanted to get back into a a toe of their own benefit mm. um, to manage their energy. That was pretty clear. Um, but it, it looked it looked a little bit panicky to me, and and obviously Mitch agreed with that. They will have had their own reasons, but it just didn't seem to be the time to be doing it. And when you consider that Buemi then fluffed his attack mode, he missed one of his attack modes um, later on. Then Mitch would have been in such a good position with the with the energy that he was getting in those laps when he was following Fenestras. So actually, maybe the strategy was working from that point of view, but of course it's all hindsight. At the time, it didn't seem to make uh, an awful lot of sense, really. That's why Frenson was so good, I always thought. I was just about to make that point, Jack. Yeah, and obviously he um, he was instrumental in the uh, the Gen 1 development, wasn't he, with those two laps at <laughs> yeah. Darlington? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the, then, only driver I mean, with, the only driver with true hindsight. Yeah, I mean, just just going back to to Sam. I mean, I, I just spoke to Sam, obviously, but more interestingly, I spoke to uh, James Barclay's team principal, and this is what he had to say about uh, about that mess um, at turn three. Yeah, whenever you have such a strong car and you're so quick through the weekend, and then you don't get the you don't get any any points, um, that's not the result we deserve. That, that's the only way I can summarise it. It isn't the result we deserve, but um, sometimes that's just the way it rolls, and we just have to taken on the chin and as a team you know we um, this actually makes us stronger in the context that we know we've, we've got the car we've got the drivers mistakes happen there's no point there's no there's absolutely zero good in falling out about it it is what it is we move forward and we learn from it and I, I know for a fact that you know when you've been through those experiences sometimes it's the moments that hurt the most the ones which make you stronger later I mean, they've not had an incident before, as far as I, I know, and, no. uh, in two and, a, two and a bit years no, of racing. And it's not like a close racing incident, right? It's just a mistake. I mean, it's what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so no more overanalyzing it, because it happens up and down. That's a, that can happen any time in, in free air, and you don't hit anybody. The fact, the time it happens, and your teammates in front of you, you yeah, that's, that's, that's not ideal, but it is what it is. No point overanalyzing He's always good at putting a positive spin on things, isn't he, Barkley? I saw him after the race and, you know, the good news is we've got, uh, we've always, we, you know, we've got a good car and we've got two good drivers and these things happen and, and whatever. But I guess as a team principal, V2B, there's nothing you can do about that sort of scenario. You know, it's not like that's bad management or, but, you know. And what's he going to do? A firebird on the spot yeah, and yeah. you've ruined our race. This is unacceptable. No, what else can he do? And he, he absolutely is right to take the positives from that. Yeah. You know, that was, a, that was a strong overall team performance. Now, they can't afford, um, I was going to say too many more, any more uh, of those this season if they are going to get back into some form of championship contention. But, you know, that package has got, um, pace in it so yeah they can rattle off some decent results start um, deploying attack 
mode in a, a more strategically um, competent way, then uh, there's no reason why there aren't wins to, for the taking there, and and who knows whatever else is going on. But they can own. There's no point in in you know throwing things around or whatever. I'm sure there was some harsh words behind the scenes but you know birds put his hands up and whatever you can't kick a man while he's down and and i'd be amazed if he does it again so look you know you move on you regather and regroup i'm starting to sound like him now Um, (laughs) but uh yes uh Uh, I, I I think there's 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 nothing else for him to do than than look at the positives and move on sam gunter and fenestra are so unlucky to be caught up in that in that melee as well yeah, they're true hard luck stories, aren't they? They were both in good shape. Um, Gunter just happened to be taking his um, attack mode at that time, the wrong time. I mean, if it, if he hadn't been, he'd have been he'd have been ahead of Cassidy, wouldn't he? And who knows what might have happened then? F- Fenestras was just unlucky; just got slightly tagged and then had nowhere to go. So they were they were both blocked in. Um, yeah, Gunter told me afterwards he felt numb. By the whole thing because he knew he would have got at the very least a podium and we've seen Max at the front haven't we before when he's at the front he usually converts pretty spectacularly so it was just not what he needed after after what happened in Daria he needed to to get some points but he, he remains pointless um, and, and Fenestras yeah I mean he's I think he's I, I think although he's been slightly in the shadow of Hughes as a rookie this season I think he's been terrific and actually when you you look at the advantage he's had over you know a, a more experienced teammate um, at Nissan it's uh, yeah there's lots of positives for him there so I'm, I'm sure he'll come back and he'll get his opportunity um, pretty soon actually to, to get some big points I mentioned earlier on that for me things kind of fell the way of of Pascal Verlein a little bit in order to get a fourth place finish with you know Bird and everyone wiping each other out and all of that kind of stuff Another thing that fell his way was Jake Dennis not scoring any points V to B after after being in a really strong position. And as you said earlier on, you text me during the race saying Dennis is going to win. Yeah, and at the and at that very second I said that, I believed it. And then about in five seconds afterwards, he reported <laughs> there were some problems in the car, and you could you could see that that it wasn't picking up uh, correctly. I mean, you know, uh, there's all sorts. It was of, a puncture in the end. It I think, was a, from, oh, okay. the, from the yeah. hit with Rast. Um, right, yeah, that would make that would make sense. Um, They've got a strong package there, and and but like I said earlier, find it difficult to overtake. But I thought the way that the cards had fallen at that point in time, the timing of that safety car as well was just absolutely perfect. And maybe were it not for the puncher, um, he would have done it. He's got a tough job now. Obviously, you know, fighting Verline in effectively the same car in a championship is always going to be tough because he's got to finish, you know, ahead of him probably in just about every race now uh, in order to overcome that. Uh, deficit but you know on the balance of performance we've seen so far this season that's certainly not impossible just uh news just in uh, i'd like to say that i'd scoured the uh alcamel site for notification of sam bird's penalty but I, what i all i did was whatsapp the incomparable adrian atkinson and he caught con- a legend he confirms to me that uh, there is a five place penalty for for bird uh, okay. in uh, cape town I must have missed so that. uh yeah likewise dennis sniver yeah, I, I, it's pretty much with V2B on that one. I think he would have been a real challenger to Vern in those last uh, last few laps. And actually, I, I tend to think that he might have uh, attempted a move on on Jev. Uh, drove a great race and then, yeah, just got harpooned by Rast, who, who did apologise um, after the race. But it was a little co- uh, compensation for 
Avalanche Andretti and, and Dennis because again they were looking really good and he would have nibbled away at Verline's uh, Verline's lead in the point standings and yeah it just wasn't I, I think actually every driver every team's going to have similar bad luck stories this season and I reckon from Jake's point of view the hope is that he's got his out the way there um, with that uh, rash move by Rast. Well Verline will be hoping that his uh, bad luck hard luck story came on free practice two where on the first lap in the barriers big hit wasn't it for Verline and he, he did he did do well to, to recover and, and extend his points lead Sam. Yeah, he did massively well. I, I, you know, I, it was a really big shunt. I mean, the, when you hit a concrete block at that speed, the shock is transmitted pretty much to the driver. So he tweaked his back. Remember, he had a back injury, didn't he? Was it Race of Champions? He, oh, yeah. He, he, he sort of hurt himself. So obviously, when you've got another that was back injury... Fashion. Yeah, when there's another back injury, you've got to be really careful. So they they took him away to hospital. I mean, what caused the shunt? Well, it's still being investigated. Um, but the suspicion is that it's to do with the controller area network or the CAN that the, is used in these cars. And it's a oh, here he goes again. It's a stream. <laughs> it's a stream of um, information that um, when you get incorrect information within it, anything can happen. It can sort of almost corrupt other aspects of the car. So that's what the suspicion is that this network with multiple live inputs within it um, is compromised. Now, the interesting part about this is that the LED lights which are on the cars haven't been working consistently this season. There's been supplier issues and they're only just getting up to up to speed. I mean, it's not that noticeable in a day race, but obviously at the night race in Riyadh, you could see which ones were working and which ones weren't. Some were, you know, some look like Christmas tree lights going on and off. Another another issue with this with this Gen 3 car, which is having an effect on, well, a pretty if, if it is proved to have been a contributing factor to this shunt, a pretty devastating effect on uh, on Porsche and Verline. So they've all got to communicate with each other. Obviously, presumably it wasn't. And the suspicion, the heavy suspicion is, is that this is part of what caused um, the incident for Verline. So uh, yeah, difficult one. But luckily, he wasn't injured specifically. I mean, he, he tweaked his back. He got back in the car. I thought he did a really good job from there on in. Because actually... Those kind of accidents, and, and Verline was really angry afterwards. I saw him briefly afterwards, and he wasn't happy um, because those kind of accidents are really difficult for drivers to get over. There's a psychological aspect to that. You're, you're going into a corner at, what, say, 100 miles an hour, just over perhaps, and the throttle just slams to the floor, and you've got no control over the car. I mean, that's got to be terrifying, right? I mean, that's got to be up there with a front wing going underneath your car and losing steering and uh, any control of the vehicle. So, yeah, hard to get over that in a short period of time. But, you know, the, it's part and parcel of the driver's makeup, isn't it, to, to do that. And I think I think Verline mentally is much more robust. And I wrote this actually before the, the weekend, much more robust this year. So I expect him to, yeah, he got over it very quickly, but... The fact that he then went on to score 12 points was was majorly impressive. And I actually think it was one of the, in the context of that accident, it was one of the drives of the race, definitely. So, um, yeah. And did you, did you speak to him after the race? Yes, I did. I did. And this is what he had to say, Jack. Smooth. Yeah, to be honest, it's not easy because it's not a situation you want to be in. Um, 
that the car is not doing what you're requesting. Um, it was a, a hard impact. Um, like I say, I still have quite a bit of pain. Um, and yeah, I had to go to hospital for checks. So yeah, I'm a shoulder. Oh, my back. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so therefore, it was not an ideal weekend in, in, in many many aspects. But uh, we took the points, and, and that's the important thing. Um, like you said, it's also not easy mentally because. Uh, Like you've also written, it's not the first time that, that something is happening with, with these new Formula E cars. So um, and it's the second time I'm I'm a part of that. So uh, and obviously on a street circuit it helps. So Pascal Verlein, the championship leader. Uh, a few little cameos here and there. Uh, Sergio Sede Camera and, and Oliver Rowland both scoring points V to B, which is nice to see. Fifth and sixth for those two. Fifth place for Neo is um, a really solid result. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head the last time they actually finished that high up. It's been a while, hasn't it? Unless I'm misremembering a random. No, I think you're right. Result. I I don't know when, but yeah. So I'll um, find out while you talk. Yeah, and and you know, genuinely pleased for them. He'd been a little bit overshadowed by Tictum up to this point in the season. Um, so uh, nice for him to uh, to get some glory there. And yeah, Mahindra's an interesting one, and I'm sure um, Sam will get into this. Obviously, having started the season so strongly. Uh, with that um, pole position and, uh, and podium in Mexico, they've not really shown anything like uh, pace since then. So for Roland to uh, to bag a top six finish, another you know decent uh, recovery and 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 share from him. And and you know, like I said, that's what happens in the randomness of uh, of street racing and informally in particular. Just because you've had a difficult qualifying doesn't mean it's it's game over. There's always something to play for. And you know, we had a point. Um, in that race, Jack, where basically the whole fields were, were covered by about 14, 15 seconds, weren't they? I mean, um, I'm yeah. not including the Coopers who are obviously having a terrible time of it at the moment. And really, they ought to just give them an in-season test to help them. I, mean, I feel so yeah. sorry for those guys. Um, but yeah, so it's amazingly close. So if you can just, you know, uh, keep up with your track position and stay out of trouble, there's there's points at the end of it, potentially. Sixth for Turvey and Diria in the start of season seven was the last time they had a a result sort of near near yeah, that that's a long time um, yeah. and i think before then they hadn't had one for for a while either so yeah good to see neo because you know we know they've got the one lap pace sam but but they got it done in the race yeah they did they did i mean there was some fortune in it um there was a whole load of penalties and um you know sergio managed to um managed to sort of pretty stealthily get through and, and get those points so yeah a really clean drive and and one that he needed, I think, as Vida B said after after Tictum sort of uh, took the limelight away a little bit in in Saudi. Um, Roland was good too. He got a, a penalty. He probably should have been fourth, um, but just managed to get in there. Interestingly, his teammate played a little part in that because Degrassi was pretty anonymous in that race, and then um, in the sort of last half of it, when they knew that Roland had this five-second penalty, he, he was pretty obstinate with uh, a few drivers coming back through the field, so he helped him out by uh, being a bit of a buffer there for, for Roland, so there was a gap for um, for him to enjoy. A shout-out too for Norman Natto, who finished seventh, um, and he actually picked up a puncture from 
Mortara's wing, which was um, quite unfathomably left in the, the middle of the track. I mean, I'll come on some opinions on that in a minute. But he got a puncture, pitted, got a new, um, got a new Hancock, went out and finished seventh. So really strong race from him, I thought. And actually, the Nissans were were, were decent in Hyderabad. Yeah, yeah, they they certainly were because same powertrain as McLaren, who have been running at the front most of the season so far and it was nice to see Nissan uh, Nissan getting up there so I think that kind of takes us through most of the the sort of teams and the drivers the big on track other thing was track limits at turns one and two arrived on Thursday to the track walk and everybody's just standing at this first chicane trying to decide how much they can cut it how much they can just go straight across and it was there in shakedown and in free practice one but then that evening it was decided that the the curbs at that first chicane would be would be taken away and it would be enforced by track limits basically and and that's what happened and some people came a cropper of it sam well first of all track limits on a street track i mean try and explain that to to people yeah the wall that's the track limit exactly exactly that's what it should be it wasn't now what what where this evolved was that in the test event they had in November, that was a flat-out curving right-hander down to the hairpin. Now, there's two reasons why that was changed. One was safety, because they'd been approaching turn three at uh, maximum speed, uh, which would have been, you know, probably 175, 180 miles an hour. Now, that, you know, with the amount of runoff that was there at turn three, that, that probably wasn't a good idea. Equally, they needed a bit of extra regen possibility um, for the circuit. That's what the FIA stated to me anyway. Now, what there was there was two curbs. So there was a, an apex curb and then an exit curb uh, when we did the track walk on, uh, when was it, Thursday, Friday. Um, that was removed. So they did the shakedown and I think free practice one with that exit curb there and they decided to take the exit curb away. And obviously what that did was it gave the drivers carte blanche to absolutely fly over that second element of the chicane um, and effectively implementing a, a, a huge um, track limits uh, investigation. Now, how they did that investigation was they had cameras at that chicane and also the, the back chicane as well. Um, going into what we saw in qualifying, what I don't understand and has never clearly been explained to me was why it took so long to make some of the decisions because if you've got cameras there it should be a matter of seconds shouldn't it to say if it's legal or if it's not legal if you've got you know the the two wheels off or on i mean it just it should be pretty clear shouldn't it so the issue so there was a bit of an issue with with was it track limits or not on some of them i think sam birds especially because from the camp the cat i believe the, the the whatever way the camera was facing because sam bird sort of slid through it it was difficult to tell whether his front right had left the track or not, basically, I believe. And then they see the TV replays and it's all fine. The delay, the reason for the delay was a procedural one in terms of both drivers did track limits in that quarterfinal. What do we do? Because it's not in the, it's not in the regulations, right? It's not something that had been thought of in the regulations because as we've discussed before you don't have track limits on a street circuit i can't remember track limits ever being an issue in the history of formula e and so suddenly you had this scenario where both drivers lap times are deleted from the quarterfinal 
So, <clears throat> yeah, but what do you do? Sh- don't you think that should have been thought about before they actually implemented the track limits? It's all very well to themselves. say that now, but 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 well, what? No, it's, it's not. Did you it's, did you think about did you think about it when track yeah, limits were happening? Yeah. I did. You thought about it. You it. thought what happened? What you thought? What happens if both drivers in a quarterfinal get their lap time deleted? Yes, that specific scenario crossed your mind, well, and you wrote about it. Of course, it. I mean it's fundamental, isn't it? It's an absolute fundamental. If you know you're going to have this potential problem, then there should be provision within the the regulations to um, to to sort it out. And and it was just an embarrassment. I mean, it was really embarrassing. Vern doing a a solo, uh, doing a solo lap in qualifying. I mean, luckily no one watches qualifying anyway. But you know, the the fact is that that if you were stumbling upon that as a new fan, and you would just question, well, what what is this? Why are they, why are they even continuing with this 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 state of affairs? I mean, it just it just became ridiculous. So they it, again, it's another it's another glaring hole in the regulations of which there are several but such a fundamental one for qualifying. And I just don't understand it. And actually, just going back to the camera situation, you're talking about angles of cameras. I mean, you know, should we in a, be in a position in a world championship where we're relying on the angles of cameras to tell us whether a lap is legal or not? I don't think so. And uh, what, should, what should we be relying on? Well, there should be there should be a, a more technologically adept method. They can have of sensors on the that. cars. It is, exactly. It's entirely plausible to enforce this by having of course it, of sensors. Course it it's, it's, it's goal line technology uh, on a racing car. It's it's not hard. And actually, interestingly, Lucas Degrassi told me during the weekend that he has presented to the FIA a specific method of measuring this using, I think, laser technology. So a similar sort of you know, um, a similar VAR type thing used in motorsport, which to me, for a championship, you know, with so much money, so much kudos and so much thrown at it in terms of um, of brand and exposure and, and, and PR value and live TV, it just has to have that. If you're going to have this situation where you have a track limit scenario, you have to police it properly. And but it clearly the, wasn't. But that's exactly the point, isn't it? Because they, the, the, there was not expected to be a track limit scenario. And there never is in Formula E. So why would you but cater everyone knew, for something everyone that... Everyone knew there was going to be track limit issues. I wrote about it on the Thursday. Several other media publications did. It was clear. It was the talk of the paddock. And everyone seemed to think that there would be issues during the weekend. And sure enough, there was. So... If we knew that, why didn't the, the powers that be know that? I mean, I'm not saying it's easy, but if you have the technology to deal with it, it would be a hell of a lot easier. Well, I can understand why the technology is not there because, you know, the original design of the track didn't have it. Why would but, you bring it? Yeah. yeah. But the regulatory <laughs> thing, that I don't understand because there has been somewhere else, Jack, if you rack your brains, there was there's one other track where there was a corner where there was a track limit thing and I just can't think of it at the moment. So it oh. isn't unprecedented for there to be track limits there. And much as to say, if, if there's a tie in the times and it goes back to said it oh, first Oh, Valencia. We had quite a lot in Valencia, oh, Valencia when we went there in season and, seven. Yes, yeah, it, yeah. it was Valencia, quite right, thank you. Um, so it, that is a, a, a foreseeable scenario that ought mm. to be accounted for in the regs. If both cards, blah, 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 I don't know what it is, count back or previous session times or whatever whatever it is that ought to be in the regs you know there isn't an excuse for not having thought of that yeah fair it's you know it's interesting because i i've always i don't because what we've never had also is uh if both drivers crash out in a duel 
Yeah. I've actually I've Who's furthest riding a lap? Yeah, I I don't actually know the 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 rule for who gets through if both drivers happen to crash out. Um so they go they go back to their previous lap time, I think. Right. So why wouldn't you do that with track limits? Yeah. Don't know. Fair, fair anyway, point. Fair point. Anyway, I we we we'll we'll, we'll we'll get we'll we'll fly to Cape Town and have a look at the regs on the on the plane. For anyone who managed to get past the battery, yeah. yet, you know, we've <laughs> yeah. definitely lost them now. <laughs> Uh, we, we we can talk about something a bit more. Um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but the little the delay ahead of free practice too. Now I didn't really know what was going on. I was just sitting in the commentary box and filling time with Nelson and Karun because the session kept getting delayed. wasn't really sure why. Why Sam? Yeah, this was <laughs> this was um, slightly comical, um, but potentially serious too. I mean. What happened was that about 20 minutes before the start of free practice two, for whatever reason, the security allowed the public traffic onto the circuit. Um, unfathomable um, that that would ever happen, but it happened. And as far as I understand it, and a couple of eyewitnesses told me, this involved cars, tuk-tuks, a couple of lorries, and a, a bus which got onto the track and toured the way around. They were stopped around about turn three because they wanted to get to the flyover. You remember that big flyover jacket, yeah, turn yeah. three? They wanted to bypass the route and get onto that and go about their business because they could see the flyover and they knew where they were going. They couldn't. They were stopped from doing so because the circuit was barriered off. There was then a period of, um, how can you put it, Animated mediation, I think is the word. Um, lots of gesticulation, lots of frayed tempers. And this went on for around about half an hour. And um, there was an altercation, at least one altercation, and there was there was a fair amount of uh, unpleasant uh, interaction between some of the security and, and, and this, the, these members of the public. So, obviously, the race director, Scott Elkins, had no uh, alternative but to keep delaying. I think there were three delays of sort of 15 minute increments until they could start the session and um, they eventually cleared the circuit I think they had to go a bit further around the circuit and then were led off at a at a, um, a runoff area and, and the barriers were opened and, and let them off but there was a significant amount of vehicles on the track here I mean it's like you know it was like something from I don't know something from the 70s really wasn't it I mean bizarre but kind of in keeping with some of the chaos that you saw in and around the track it actually took me 15 minutes to cross one of the main roads at uh, one stage of the weekend because there was just no possibility of getting across without imminent death so it was now nah, you just have to you just have to walk that's the only way to do it sniffer crossing the road in Indy, you just have to walk they'll stop they'll avoid you it's fine yeah i'm bigger than you though more to hit <laughs> it's just the the trucks and the buses if you don't walk out in front of those but everybody else yeah that's right yeah it's will true you. about the trucks and the buses to be fair. anyway there's I'm, I'm sure there was an investigation to what happened but it was uh yeah, five place grid was... penalty for the tuk-tuk <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it was just chaotic but um you know i mean it i think it they, they kind of dodged a bullet in that not happening on race day can you imagine that happening 20 minutes before the race i mean doesn't bear thinking about so at least it happened um the day before I thought it was all a little bit like a season seven advert for um, Formula E. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. Very well, true. Why weren't they running through Indian restaurants? You know, um, <laughs> putting an, an, uh, a naan in, yeah, a, in a in a tandoor and you know doing all that and then sprinting <laughs> over the line in the, the tuk tuk. With, the, with, the, with, the, with the backdrop of a rearing yeah, horse. Be, that's, that's on brand, isn't it? Or maybe, yeah. well, at least it was there for a time. Uh, Sniffer, you want to talk about the bats? Of course I do. Who wouldn't? Colony of bats at uh, turn three. Or as um, as the fabulous um, Laura Simpson from ABB said, the flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was great. These things, these were big boys. They girls. were amazing. Uh, they were absolutely hypnotic when you saw they were out on the it was out on the bat straight on the bat straight yeah can we have a um a tumbleweed (laughs) sound effect here please johnny (laughs) very good very good yeah i mean there was a whole menagerie of stuff out there wasn't there i i was actually escorted into the track on the thursday by a a family of goats uh which was novel and then there were mongoose 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 I don't know. Uh, Mon- there was mongoose. Uh, mongoose. Um, there were. There's a cow. I saw. I saw a mongoose. Oh, that's. I saw. A, a, I saw that's what a mongoose ball. is. They're little ratty type things that eat snakes. Yeah. Oh, I saw loads of mongoose. Says. But I didn't know. I didn't. I. Th- I thought they were like. We couldn't work out what they were. I thought they were chipmunks or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a monkey, wasn't there? There was a monkey in free practice too. Um, I thought it might have actually Cheeky monkey Might have been Paolo Gorilla Doing the FIA driver stewards uh, Role again This Tum- is Tumbleweed terrible. again Johnny Absolutely <laughs> uh, t- uh, Say some other news Sam Other news We've got a, a Return to the Rookie test uh, The day long rookie test In Berlin In uh, April The end of April So we'll have some new faces In cars for that Which would be interesting uh, there is going to be a continuation of the mandatory free practice session two. So there'll be plenty of opportunities for for new faces in uh, Formula E this season. So that'll happen in Rome. Um, one of the, There'll be a, a special free practice session. So effectively three free practice sessions, I believe. And, and the first one being for, being for rookies. Um, what else have we got? Uh, the apps are still uncertain who's going to be in their car for Cape Town. Although I think it's highly likely that Kelvin van der Linde will stay in that car. I'm not sure Robin Frines will be completely fit to to drive until after that event. Um, and the other one is just on the back of the hybrid event, whether or not we'll be going back to Hyderabad. Um, there seems to be quite a lot of intricate uh, contractual situations going on at the weekend and um certainly uh, things weren't particularly happy between local promoters and and partners and and formula e so my suspicion is that sadly hyderabad might be in the sole category of of not going back i hope not i hope they're able to to um to continue uh, the deal but obviously with these deals formula e have a clause within it uh, which is on their side of whether they go back or not i think Everyone would like to go back, but I think financially, commercially, and uh, from a contractual point of view, it's a it's a bit complicated at the moment. I think it's in my top five Formula E races. Really, in in just terms of events, like in just terms of. I'm gutted. I didn't spend six months trying to get a visa. Now. <laughs> I love India. I love India. Hyderabad was a really cool city. I thought, and a Formula the track was good. There was okay. Track limits aside, the rest of it I thought was good. The race was really good. Yeah, what? Yeah, one of my top. I just, I think I, I just love India. So I, I would love to. 
I, I, I really hope we go back next season. What, what's Ace, Sam? Ace is the uh, local promoters. Ace Next Gen is the local promoters. Oh, no. I, I, well, I, I meant more about the um, Dillbag project. Yeah, thing. okay. So, again, Ace is um, Dillbag's new junior single-seater championship, which will is looking to run modified Gen 2 cars, although that deal isn't done, but they're hoping to, to secure that for next season um dillbag's working with qev uh who we work with in formula e for a number of seasons and, and they will also work with the neo operation and um it's a two-tiered single-seater championship so they will run on the same weekend using the same cars but one will be detuned so it'll be a detuned uh, element of the first um senior series let's say of that of that championship so yeah quite ambitious i had a good chat with dillbag saw nick heidfeld there um who's tested the car tested at barcelona a couple of weeks ago uh, it's all sprung up pretty quickly and um yeah the, their plan is to become a organized concerted feeder series or ladder to, to formula e so it's um yeah it's got some it's got some sound philosophies but there's quite a way to go i think in in making it a complete reality just now i saw that agag's one of the board members so it's probably got quite a long big foot up there then yeah i think alejandro's on an advisory board um there's various other industry people who are on that board but um yeah i mean it's been positioned reasonably well it's just as we know with these things it's uh eventually it's uh ultimately it's all about the money certainly is well Time to say goodbye. I think we'll be back in uh, two weeks' time for the Cape Town Epre review, which sounds like it's going along swimmingly, actually, uh, Sniffer, doesn't it? Compared to Hyderabad, where on the Wednesday you think, oh, maybe we'll have a race. Cape Town sounds like it's all ready to go. Sounds really good. Yeah, I think it's a big part of a huge festival, eco festival over there. I spoke to Scott Elkins last weekend. He's he's happy with the way the circuit's coming on and all the people working on it. And they got a, well, we presume they're going to have a home driver as well in Kelvin van der Linde. And the backdrop looks fantastic. It's you know you got table mounted and Robin Island and um, yeah, Cape Town's exactly the kind of the kind of city that Formula E should be should be travelling to. So lots to look forward to. Absolutely. By the time you're listening to this podcast, I will be in. Cape Town. So that's how excited I am to have a, a week of... Uh, really? You're going out like for a uh, safari or something a week early? A wine safari. Beautiful. So yeah. That is the right, <laughs> absolutely the right idea. <laughs> so yeah. So no, no. So I, I fly on uh, on the Wednesday, the week before. So uh, don't rob my house if you're listening <laughs> to this. No, but but just, you know, let's we're all friends here on the Formulary podcast, aren't we? So, yeah, very much looking forward to that. Um, thank you very much, Vida B. Thank you very much for Sam. Don't forget to head to the-race.com to read all of Sam's stuff. If you want to read about that battery incident in detail, it's all there. It's all there and free to free at the point of use. Um, we will be back in a couple of weeks' time. There's also, don't forget, all the Formula One launches going on at the moment so we've already got an Aston Martin and McLaren podcast out by the time this is out there's probably a Ferrari one or something so yeah Formula 1 podcast IndyCar podcast MotoGP podcast keep across it all and we'll see you next time uh, after Cape Town bye bye The Athletic